Okay, today on the program, we have Amy Yang. She's from a company, a startup called Better Brand. They are making low-carb versions of high-carb foods that we all love. The first one, the bagel. I saw this trending on Twitter. I ordered some of the bagels, and I was like, wow, these bagels aren't bad. Now, listen, I'm a bagel snob. They're not Brooklyn bagels yet. And we have a big debate about what percentage is she to a Brooklyn bagel. I, well, you'll find out in the episode where I put it on a very specific. I might have heard her feelings a little bit. I'll be totally honest. I kind of felt bad during the interview. <laughs> she thought I gave it a low rating. I thought it was being very generous compared to a Brooklyn bagel. But anyway, first up, we're going to talk about a Financial Times story that estimates Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and YouTube will lose about $10 billion in revenue uh, in half of 2021 due to Apple's new privacy changes. It's a very big deal. It's a very intricate story. And of course, we're going to talk about meetups because it's Meetup Monday. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Novo Free Business Banking. If your bank charges outrageous fees, you need a bank account that's built for small business. Get your free business banking account in just 10 minutes at banknovo.com twist. Lemon.io need to speed up your product development without draining your budget hire vetted engineers from europe at lemon.io go to lemon.io slash twist to get 15 percent off for the first four weeks and disruptive advertising sign up for a free digital marketing audit at disruptiveadvertising.com slash twist plus if you go into business with disruptive you'll receive a 250 dollars gift card and a free Friday to Sunday ski trip in Utah. Okay, everybody, in our first story today, Apple's privacy features that you've heard about from their iOS 14.5 update are costing, according to a third-party service, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Snapchat, about $10 billion in combined lost revenue in the second half of 2021. Uh, this is a story from the Financial Times. Uh, if you don't remember, Apple introduced app tracking transparency back in April as part of their iOS 14.5 update. I covered that in episode 1204 if you want to go deep. Um, basically, iPhone users are opting out of being tracked. This means it's difficult to target advertising from the big advertising networks. The big two where you know uh, the majority of advertising occurs on the internet are obviously uh, Facebook and Google slash YouTube. Twitter and Snapchat are, you know, minor players in this huge advertising machine that is the uh, internet. But Apple has stopped their ability to target specific phones and track you and retarget you and all that good stuff that advertisers love. And so when users opt out of being tracked, it basically makes the cost go up because you're going to need more impressions and you're going to have a lower click through rate. So the way advertising works on the internet, you will pay in typically for each click that happens. And a click for uh, an app, usually a dollar or $2, in some cases, $10, $20 for certain groups of users. Now, who in their right mind is going to pay a dollar per click or $5 per click? Well, if it's a video game that has some kind of upselling in it or coins or mana, whatever it is, you know, and they have whales in the system who are spending $100 on coins a month, that means if they spend a dollar per person to click, and they get out of 100 people 50 downloads, the cost per click is a dollar, the cost per download is $2. And then if one out of 50 people spends more than $100, they're going 
they're in the black. In other words, they're profitable. And so this science is why you see certain types of apps constantly being advertised to you on Facebook and other services, Twitter, and it's typically games that are the ones that are really aggressive about trying to get you to pay to get to the next level. So uh, all of this comes from an ad tech company I've never heard of called uh, Lotame, uh, L-O-T-A-M-E. And uh, they note uh, that advertisers are responding by cutting spending. So we knew this would happen. This would be a big tailwind for Apple and their ad network because Apple does sell ads to promote apps. It would be uh, a headwind against these large ad networks. And if you know more about the person, you can present ads to people who are more likely to click. What does this mean? There's a certain amount of ad inventory on, let's say, YouTube or a certain amount of ad inventory on Facebook and Instagram. If you get one out of 10 people to click on an ad today, and then tomorrow you get one out of 100, that means the ad network is 10 times less efficient. In other words, you're using up more of the impressions, people seeing the ad to get the same number of clicks. But if you know that your app works really well with a certain demographic, women who are 35 years old, who are using their, who have these other apps on their phone, who have visited these websites, you get the idea. Or this type of phone. It might be that people who have older phones really like these bejeweled games. It might be people with the newer phones might really like the first person shooters. Who knows? The algorithm is actually trying to make sense of all this. And that's where all the gains in advertising and the money printing ad networks are getting their gains from. That's why Google bought, you know, the big AI company, uh, Deep Mind back in the day. It wasn't that they wanted to win at chess or go. Those are just, you know, shiny little PR stunts. What they really wanted to do was make the ad network smarter and give you better ads, target them better. So the same amount of inventory would make more money. That's known as efficiency, right? And that's why the money printing machines of Google and Facebook have done so well. Apple has decided we're going to uh, stop letting people target, therefore the efficiency goes down. And um, according to Low to Me, uh, they estimated that Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Snapchat, quote, lost 12% of revenue in the third and fourth quarters or 9.85 billion. I'm not sure how they get to that. Financial Times notes that may be conservative. They also note Google is not as impacted which is interesting. Now, why is Google not impacted? Pretty obvious if you think about it. Google, you type a word in a box, and the word is typically what you're looking for, right? You don't search for something you're not looking for. Type in Volvo, you're not looking for chocolate chip cookies. And if you're typing chocolate chip cookie recipes, you're probably not looking for a Volvo. Facebook and YouTube create a psychographic profile of you based on your behavior. Google has that as well, but they know the keywords you put in. If you type in first person shooter or angry birds or bejeweled, we kind of know that these games that are like bejeweled will show you more of those, right? Pretty simple. And that's why Google is going to not be as impacted by this. YouTube will be, but not Google. Uh, so here's a chart for those of you taking a look at the YouTube channel. Our YouTube is youtube.com slash this week in. And uh, if you go there, hit subscribe and then hit the little bell which is the notification bell, and you'll be part of the Noti gang, notification gang, and you'll see when I go live. I tape the show live every day, and you know, a couple hundred people watch it live. So if you want to watch This Week in Startups Live, go to youtube.com slash thisweekin, 
click not just subscribe, but click the bell next to it. You'll get a notification once a day when I go live, uh, which is kind of cool. So you can just see it here. Facebook was the one that got murdered the most. And this is why Facebook uh, is spending so much money on meta. They know that the next compute platform Apple is betting on is AR. That's why Facebook is now absolutely trying to beat Apple at AR and VR. That is the big battle we'll see in the next five years. Compute went from being your desktop, uh, then it went to laptops, then it went to phones and tablets. Next up, social media became a big platform, the internet before that. What's the next one? Most people believe it's VR and AR. I'm not going to call it the metaverse. It's kind of corny. It's just going to be augmented reality is the, the big one for me. I think VR is a bit of a head fake. Uh, but yeah, $8 billion lost by Facebook. Because Facebook, you don't type in a keyword. Facebook needs to spy on you and get all that data. That's why Facebook uh, is um, so good at targeting and, and became so great. And in the beginning, we all thought Facebook wasn't going to work for advertising because algorithms weren't sophisticated. AI wasn't sophisticated 10 plus years ago when Facebook came out. So the ads on Facebook used to be really annoying. And then slowly, as they knew your circle group, they could say, Hey, people in your circle are clicking on Volvo ads. Maybe we'll show you a Volvo ad and see what happens. Maybe your group is just everybody's got Volvo. That's why some people think that like devices are listening to us. You ever have this experience? A bunch of your friends were like, we were talking about, you know, uh, Volvos and, you know, my friends are a Volvo on their Instagram the next day. And so we know that it was listening to our phones. No. What happened was your phones were all in the same geography. Your phones and your accounts were all friends with each other and you comment on each other's content. Then out of your friend group of the top 100 people, seven of you were talking about the Volvo and you searched for it or maybe there was a discussion thread about it. The other 93 may have been shown the Volvo ad when the AI was testing if these seven people in this tight network of friends of friends uh, and, you know, maybe one degree or two degrees. Wow. When we showed Volvo ads, another 40% of people, okay, so maybe you live in the Northeast, maybe Volvos are, you know, the hot new thing. You get the idea. So this makes you think that it's listening to you when in fact, it's watching your behavior online. And there is obviously an overlap between the real world and uh, the digital world. If your bank charges outrageous fees, you need a bank account that's built for small business. You need to check out Novo's free business banking platform. Novo is built from the ground up to be powerful, simple, and provide free business banking. There are no minimum balances, no transaction limits, and no hidden fees. That's why Money Magazine called Novo the best business checking account of 2021. Novo makes banking easy and secure. You can manage your account in their customizable website and apps. And Novo's web apps have built-in profit-first accounting and invoicing. You can easily tag each transaction and upload your receipts. Novo seamlessly integrates with most leading business tools and services like Stripe, Shopify, QuickBooks, and more, all for free. And they also offer $5,000 in perks and discounts just for signing up. So get your free business bank account in just 10 minutes at banknovo.com slash twist. You'll also get a Novo debit card for free ATM use. And you'll get a free copy of Novo Small Business Starter Guide. That's bank 
Novo, N-O-V-O.com slash twist. One word, banknovo.com slash twist. Snapchat lost the most uh, relative revenue due to their focus on smartphones. Again, Facebook has a lot of desktop. Google has a lot of desktop. Kind of sucks for Snapchat. And so a lot of these companies are just going to have their valuations uh, compressed a little bit until they figure this out. Some people might have so much traffic like Facebook that they can just solve for this by showing more ads to people. And that, of course, ruins the consumer experience a little bit. Uh, But according to the Financial Times article, Twitter ads, quote, rely more on context and branding than on tracking consumers' mobile habits. So Twitter's ad sales rose 41% last quarter. uh, So they don't seem to be as impacted by this. That directionally makes sense. When they say they rely more on context and branding than on tracking consumers' mobile habits, you ever see that when you load Twitter, uh, whatever the big movie is that weekend, whatever the big TV show on streaming is, so Dune or you know the, the latest Marvel movie will be there. That's because Twitter is such a part of the zeitgeist that all of those people who are trying to be part of the discussion, TV shows, movies, gadgets, they will buy out the entire run of the site. They want everybody in America talking about the latest Netflix show or talking about Dune or talking about whatever streaming service it is. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, when Tim Cook was asked about this by analysts last Thursday, he said, we believe strongly that privacy is a basic human right. And so that's our motivation there. There's no other motivation. So people are saying Apple is doing this to grow their own ad business. And that's hypocrisy. That's just an added benefit. I don't think I actually believe Tim Cook when he says that. uh, My understanding is, and I haven't seen this, uh, I don't know if any of you have, if you're in the chat room right now, tell me if you have seen ads when you're in the App Store, but I haven't seen ads in the App Store. I don't know why. Uh, But has anybody seen them? I haven't seen them in the in Google in Apple's App Store. Uh, So is Apple's uh, focus on privacy bad faith? No, it's a feature. If you look at VPNs, DuckDuckGo, uh, all the different privacy related browsers out there, VPNs and other software, people using email relays, consumers actually care now, consumers are starting to care. And it went from being a very niche thing to care to being something that uh, now a broader group of people want their privacy back. And Apple is brilliant for doing this. If Facebook really wants to get ahead of this, I've been saying this for a decade, when you load Facebook or Instagram, it should say, would you like to opt out of tracking and have no ads in your feed for 9.95 a month across the suite of Apple products. We will not track any of your data. We'll delete all of your profile data uh, that we have in secret, and you will see no ads. I wonder how many people would pay for that. Five percent of users. I know I would. I want to get ads out of my life, uh, you know, where I can if they're disruptive ads. And so, you know, I pay for NBA League Pass. There was an extra option for twenty bucks to take out ads and watch the feed in the arena. I pay for that. I like to watch them shoot cannons with t-shirts into the arena at msg makes me feel like i'm there kind of a cool feature uh so really great job on apple's part to execute on this and uh yeah i really don't care if uh you know facebook can't target as well people on uh, on their devices have the right to do what they want if you want to use the brave browser or DuckDuckGo's browser or ad blocker or cookie tracker blocker that's your right what you do on your device is your right And uh, if those services don't like it, they should just offer a paid version and charge for the top features and give people an option. And that's really what this is about. 
If you want to avoid being regulated, give people options and be honest with them and communicate it simply. That's what Apple does fantastically. That's what Facebook does horribly. Okay, let's get to my interview with Amy Yang of Better Brands, making that protein-based bagel she is going to solve for less carbs. All right, for years, I've been saying, make a better bagel, make me better pizza. Why can't we have pizza or burgers or bagels that help you lose weight? This would be an amazing thing for an entrepreneur to take on because think about how much it sucks to be fat. Well, you don't have to worry about that because I've thought about it. Man, I was tipping the scales at over 200. Now I'm down to a schvelt 182. It's better to be thinner than to be fat. Sorry, trigger warning. It's healthier to not be obese. I know we're not allowed to talk about this anymore, but uh, how did I do it? Well, I just ate less food and uh, a lot less carbs. And carbs taste delicious and our bodies love carbs. Well, I was on the interwebs and uh, I saw one of my friends had tweeted about a better bagel. And I was like, oh, there it is. Some entrepreneur is making a bagel that is, uh, you know, less bad for you. I'm from Brooklyn. Bagels are part of the four food groups along with pizza and cannolis. Uh, and so I actually ordered these bagels and they were pretty good. So I said to my production team, producers, get me the founder. Well, the founder is here. Uh, the name of the company is Better Brand and you can find them at eatbetter.com uh, or you can follow them on Twitter, Eat Better Brand. And in her first appearance here on This Week in Startups, Amy Yang, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so um, excited to be here and, and what an amazing, you know, personal anecdote and, and intro and, you know, exactly why we created better, right? To solve that pain point that I think is so personal to, to so many people across the board. Being fat is bad for you. <laughs> we can all agree on that, right? Well, it's I bad for your health. Well, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that i think you know obesity you know certainly there are like numerous negative health implications associated with that you die. And, and diabetes <laughs> pain suffering exactly diabetes but Can't you know sleep. <laughs> but i think it's more about that mindset of, of freedom right and not having to worry about what mm. you eat and and uh. how that's going to affect your weight gain or or weight loss and you know kind of creating that world like you were saying you were you know imagining and, and dreamed of for so many years of you know, being able to eat all the foods that you crave yeah. and not have to worry about weight gain or negative mm. health consequences. So let's talk about your first uh, product. You made a bagel. How did you come to the conclusion that you wanted to make a bagel? Um, yeah, well, so, you know, I, I guess kind of taking a step back and talking about Better Brand as a whole, um, we're really looking to put our stake in the ground as leading innovators in the refined carb space, right? And, and you know, a way to think about that is beyond meat of carbs. Right. Okay. And it, and it's so pretty good framing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting also, you know, refined carbs industry is $10 trillion industry, right? And you look at all the innovation that's happening in plant based at around, you know, 1.4 trillion. So it was just this huge open space that, you know, I was just shocked that no one has come in and, and, and doing this. So, so, you know, in putting our state in the ground as leading innovators in the refined carb space, what better way to do that than by taking the most carb heavy food? And reducing it to the carb equivalent of, let's say, two banana slices. Mm. So um, the carbs in a typical bagel? About are... 50 grams of... Wow. Yes. And we've gotten it down to five. Okay. So uh, how do you do that? 
What is um, the uh, secret sauce? Yeah, I'm looking here. 48 grams in a typical bagel. It makes total sense. You get it down to five. Is it just a matter of putting protein powder in it? Are you no. using some different type of flour, almond flour? Oh my gosh. I've seen all these different concepts, uh, but what is the secret sauce going on here? Yeah, um, there's a lot that goes into it. And it's so funny. So Fast Company recently released an article and the title is, can food tech invent a better bagel? And huh. that's kind of, you know, what we did, right? Um, and so, you know, in, in terms of like the the how, um, oh my gosh. So one is proprietary formulation, you know, really novel ingredients that we've sourced, we've worked with, we understood. And um, so for example, if you look at our ingredient deck, the first ingredient is, you know, modified wheat starch. So what that is, is it's a wheat, but it's not um, actually digestible in your gastrointestinal tract. So ah. Right. So it doesn't provide that carb content, but what it allows for is that same viscoelasticity of a typical wheat that gets you that same chew and that texture. And so, you know, that's kind of an example of, of just the normal formulation that we've put together. Um, you know, very. So this is a different type designed. of wheat or what, what is it called? Wheat what? Modified wheat starch. Uh. So it's, you know, you take, it's, you know, non GMO, right? And, and it's just, it's processed in a way to where the fibrous content of the wheat is retained. But still allows for, you know, the texture and, and it to provide, you know, the elastic properties of the wheat you would expect from a bagel just without the carb content. And then you, yeah. And then so, you know, that applied to, to so many ingredients across the board that, that we worked with and formulated. And then, um, you know, the second part of that is our preparatory process in terms of development and working with the dough. So if you took this dough and you brought it to anywhere, um, no one would know what to do with it. You know, if you tried wow. to make it the same way. Um, so, so everything was kind of custom designed from, from inception to work with this specific product profile. And then third, um, I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to say about this, but we really lean into, you know, enzyme technology, um, and the biological wow. catalysts, right? That are extracted from plants, but they help us, you know, um, in, and it's, I always think this is so funny because you use small, such a small amount of it that it's the last thing on your ingredient deck. Um, obviously, completely natural, but without it, the product would be completely different. Um, so, you know, it helps us with texture, taste, uh, you know, flavor, taste, chew. There's so many parts that go into it. But, you know, that's kind of the how. Got it. And there's potato starch in it, I see here, chicory root fiber, extra virgin olive oil, yeast, organic brown rice flour, yeah. organic white vinegar, sea salt, and enzymes. So yeah, seems so pretty straightforward. Very Three, clean. Yeah, three seventy five a bagel when you buy a 12-pack, so four yes. bucks if you buy less, uh, compared to 50 cents a dollar for a typical bagel. When you are trying to grow a startup fast, hiring engineers will slow you down like nothing else. Don't I know it? So many companies I invest in are telling me they can't get their next version out because they don't have a great engineer. Well, Lemon.io will find you a perfect candidate in just 48 hours. It's a marketplace of engineers from Europe, and they test and interview every developer to eliminate the risk of a failed project. Lemon.io is the perfect solution if you are a technical co-founder and you need to delegate some of your important tasks, or you have a project that needs specific technology and you don't have that skill on your team yet. Or you are just growing so fast that you need to add more developers and get more done faster. They'll match you with a candidate within 48 hours. And if it doesn't work out, they'll replace the developer right away. So here is your CTA, the old call to action. If you could use a full time or even part time developer to run your projects faster, 
go to lemon.io slash twist. Once again, lemon, L-E-M-O-N dot I-O slash twist, and you'll receive a 15% discount for the first four weeks of work with that amazing developer. Well done, Lemon. Okay, check it out, everybody. Lemon.io slash twist. So how do you get this cost way down? Yeah, you so know, it's more I think accessible because let's face it, like some families not going in and spending 50 bucks on a 12 pack of bagels. Uh, I know. And see, and, and that's one thing I really kind of hate about the the market and, and, you know, it's really kind of programmed us in a way to think that, you know, a bagel should be, you know, X amount, right? But, but if you think about it, like, there's so much cost that goes into producing a premium product that's good for us, right? And that R&D. And there's a reason why these kind of large conglomerate companies aren't making that investment, right? They're trying mm-hmm. to push out product and and you, you just don't want to incur that cost up front. And, you know, I think what we're, well, not I think, what we are doing is we're saying like, you know, like, this is important. Like human health is important, you know? Like we want the consumer to understand that, you know, novel technology and and natural ingredients and and you know putting things that are good for you in your body like that you know it's it's expensive and it's more expensive a lot of times than the market dictates because the market offers a lot of stuff that's terrible for you and going to cause well, but, yeah and the good news is bad. you know you have the same thing happened with beyond meat they had burgers and the burgers were sixteen dollars eighteen dollars exactly. and you could go to in and out burger for four bucks and get a great burger and I passed on investing on that. It was a stupid decision because I just thought nobody's going to nobody's going to pay four times as much for a burger that doesn't taste as good. And it turns out there were a large number of people who would pay three, four, five times as much yeah. to get something that was healthier and better for the environment. Yeah. Uh, but they've since, I think, as they got to scale, have lowered it. Are you able to even turn a profit? We're not at profit- four bucks. A, you're not going to be able to we're, be profitable at four dollars a bagel. We're not profitable right now, and so right. I just, you know, definitely want to make that clear: is yeah. we're we're not profitable. Um, but what we want to do is get this product in front of the consumer, take the consumer on the journey with us, mm. and you know, really get real time feedback. And and that's the only way that people can can start benefiting from the product, right? Mm. So it's it re- really is interesting. Like we get a lot of feedback that you know is that question of like, oh, why is this product so expensive? Like you guys must be like profiting so much from this like how about making it more accessible we're not right? right like the fact of the matter is we're we're early stage we're we're not profitable um but you know we're so excited about this because we think it's going to be a game changer for so many people and provide that element of a freedom um that you know we've never really gotten before or yeah. or you know um that's never been possible before we had the magic spoon team on gabby episode uh, 1220 and he told me they spent a year uh, doing the R&D for their cereal. I'm curious, how long did it take you to develop the, the the bagel? Oh, gosh. Well, if you... So I started kind of the, the R&D process on my own in terms of understanding the technology, what was happening in the market, et cetera. And just like doing my due diligence in my second year of business school. So if you count that, you well over a year. But if you count from, you know, when we actually closed our first round of funding and started engaging with you know, the the labs that, that we worked with, um, it was a four-month push from that to launch. Four months from uh, launch. And so- Which was a crazy, crazy time. Yeah. It, it, was, it was fast and it was crazy. And, you know, I, I honestly think that a huge part of why we were able to do that is, is because of luck. Um, yeah. You know, and, and you hear about the, 
the impossible story, you know, Pat Brown, who's, you know, obviously so, such an inspiring person, um, you know, their first hypothesis of, of how they were going to, to extract the heme, for, for example, to, to replicate that bleed of, you know, a traditional burger, it took them $9 million, yeah. right? And, and a year to, to realize that their hypothesis was wrong and that mm-hmm. they had to start from scratch. So I think we just, we got so, so lucky in, in just, being able to get that right the first time. And, you know, I really think it's one in a million and, you know, so grateful for that because it allowed us to get into the market, right? It allowed us to put this in front of the consumer. It allowed us to to start putting our stake in the ground as, you know, the beyond meat of carbs um, and, you know, allowed us to, to start making impact and feeling that. And are there competitors from the, the giant CPG companies yet? Are they even looking at this? The Kellogg's, the Pillsbury's, all these giant brands? They're not even thinking about this yet? You know what? No. What's interesting is we've gotten a lot of inquiries from their investment arms and their venture arms um, trying to play a part in this early on. But, you know, in terms of R&D, it's just the focus on um, the focus really just isn't on innovation, right? For these kind of existing large conglomerates. It's it's mostly on existing product proliferation and, 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 you know, additional development on, on those existing product profiles. So you know, again, that kind of opened up this huge white space for us to be able to step in and really, you know, after feeling, you know, that that very personal pain point of, you know, why can't I just eat what I want without guilt and, and feeling bad about it, um, you know, really opens up that white space for us. What's what are net carbs? I know that a lot of these packaging, uh, instead of saying carbs, they say net carbs. I think you say net carbs. H- how do. does net carbs work? And uh, is that yeah. like a little bit of funny business going on there with the actual carb counts? Definitely not funny business. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's just about how your body processes the carbs. So, so for example, on our, on our label, we say, you know, we're 32 total carbs, but mm-hmm. 27 of that 32 is fiber. Got it. Um, and so fiber isn't absorbed by your body. So the actual carb content that's absorbed is, you know, the five grams remaining. So, mm-hmm. so even though you're eating this product that, you know, tastes so carb heavy, you're not actually, you know, incurring that blood sugar spike that's, you know, related to, you know, large refined carb consumption, you're not, you know, um, getting the the carb carb content from it. I feel like you're 50% being a bagel snob. Uh, my my <laughs> assessment as a kid Never. from Brooklyn of where you're at is about halfway there in terms of the flavor, the texture. Where do you assess you're at in terms of if you were to put a bagel in front of somebody from a you know H and H bagel or whoever whatever bagel you like in New York, you know a nice buttered bagel, toasted whatever, lox, cream cheese, and your bagel, where do you feel you are on that journey of like sort of competing against, you know the the most legit Brooklyn bagel, New York bagel? Oh gosh, you gave us fifty percent. I think fifty percent. Yeah, I think you're halfway there. It's the mouthfeel is a little chewy, um, but in a different way than a bagel. Flavor's a little bit off. But when I toasted it, I'll give you this. When I toasted it with butter, I think it got to like maybe 60% of okay. like what of my joy in eating a bagel, which by the way, <laughs> that to me was phenomenal. My expectation was because I've had some funky stuff and, you know, I've had all the mock meats and, you know, if you put up the steak that I get, if I'm getting, you know, Kobe beef or a Wagyu or a, you know, a great ribeye, I would say like, the burgers and the steak are probably 25% as satisfying. So I felt like 50-60% was pretty great uh, for yeah. a first iteration. So where do you yeah. assess your at? And then how do you think about 
closing that gap, uh, or maybe you don't even feel there is a gap, but there for me, there's definitely a gap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did it hurt your feelings. I'm sorry. No, I thought I, no, I thought I that was pretty. Great. I thought that I was think- a compliment <laughs> for a 1.0. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, not at all. This is well. What if you also thought about you know when you eat a bagel, a traditional mm-hmm. bagel, you know yeah. there's that element of guilt that's associated with it, right? You're Got kind it. of thinking like. Well, like, should I be eating this versus a better bagel? I wonder what your, you know, experience was. Like, were you excited? Were you filled with joy? Were you relieved? Did you feel freedom? Um, I definitely, I came into it like an experimenter and a bagel snob, if I'm being totally honest. But that being said, I did uh, in conversations with my spouse say, hey, this is pretty great. You can have a bagel and be a little guilt-free. So yeah, I could see getting a 20% bump in the joy okay. factor of like there you go I'm you not just there. bumped us up to 80 <laughs> yeah, 70 80 um sure but just in terms of flavor profile are yeah. you studying what people we experience are. when they bite into an actual real bagel versus this new formula creating and then how do you, how does one judge that like do you bring people in and do a lab where you test it and you give them a blind taste test do you have like five different versions of your bagel and you have them rate them H- how do you refine a formula is sort of what I'm getting at when you're doing something so new. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I would agree with you. I think we're about 70% there. Mm. But, you know, I think people are really excited about the product and because of, you know, still like given the the health content and um, the, the product profile, there's really nothing like it in, in the market. Um, right. And in terms of how we're iterating and how we're getting that feedback is we're getting it directly from the consumers. And that's exactly why we wanted to get a product out there as, as soon as possible, right? Because, and and one that people, we knew that people were going to be excited about, but we wanted to know, like, what were the pain points? Like, what do people want improved? And and that's how, you know, you run an efficient company, right? What and, are you, um, to get uh, what is the feedback the people consumer. are giving you? Are, there, are the things that you're it's, narrowing in on and triangulating it on? What are you refining? Yeah, well, what will so 2.0 be like? Um. 2.0 will be a little less chewy. Okay. There's definitely <laughs> and, a chew issue. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, um, it'll still toast really, really well. And what we focused on initially was, was that chewiness because a lot of people said, you know, it, it just, it does taste a little bit more chewy than a traditional bagel. But, um, you know, the overarching feedback we've gotten from people is just like c- excitement and this like mm. emotional response that's almost illogical and just, it's so special. Right. We've had people kind of send us like hundreds and hundreds of messages saying, um, wow, like I'm a believer. Like I'm so excited about this. Um, this really changed my life. I never thought this was possible. You know, we've had people say, you know, I've struggled with eating disorders my entire life and, and having something like this is, Mm. is, is such a game changer for me. And then think about how, you know, special and how powerful that is. You know, we've had people say, you know, you know, I've had type two diabetes and I've never been able, I haven't been able to eat products like this. And now that you ha- you've made this possible, ah. it's, it's so, so special. Yeah. Um, so th- for those folks, yeah, if you're, you, you can't have any bagel, a bagel that's 50, 60, 70, 80% is like, that's amazing. It's a godsend. I, I know when I had George Zachary on the famous, uh, OG, uh, venture capitalist from Charles river, he had a company wild thing, uh, that does sell based salmon and they spent like a year just on the snap of the bite you yeah. know that mouthfeel um wild yeah. type i think is the name of the company actually okay everybody let's take a moment to talk about growth marketing and all the tactics and hacks that are out there with me today jake badsgard 
He is the CEO and founder of Disruptive Advertising, which you can visit at disruptiveadvertising.com slash twist. So some questions for you, Jake, when is too early to start marketing your Cyber Monday uh, or your Black Friday? What's the right time to engage people and how do you engage them? Yeah, you know, that's going to depend on the audience, but the, the cheapest customer is the person that's already bought from you before. And it's time today to start warming up the audience that bought from you last year. Uh, with custom audiences on social or email, uh, it's time to get on top of those right now and getting them warm and, and ready to engage. Uh, as far as new audiences are concerned, there's a lot of opportunity to explore new platforms outside of the traditional Google, Facebook uh, channels uh, like uh, Insta uh, Instagram, TikTok, some of these other ones, LinkedIn, YouTube. Let's get some new audiences in place and test those out and find what's working so that we're ready to scale when game time comes. All right. That's great advice. So if you want to sign up for a free digital marketing audit with Jake and his company, Disruptive Advertising, just visit disruptiveadvertising.com slash twist. And if you go into business with Disruptive, you will receive a $250 gift card and a free Friday to Sunday ski trip in Utah. Uh, we'll see you on the slopes. It's going to be a great season. It's so interesting. I think, you know, with any company that's innovating and pushing new products and innovation into the market, I think you typically see two approaches, right? Like one is, and, and this is also kind of like the impossible versus the beyond. Like one is, you know, you're in a lab for, you know, a large amount of time until you're like, oh, like, is this product, you know, it, what about this? And what about that? And you're doing your internal testing, but then the consumer doesn't necessarily get to benefit from it. Mm. Right. And you don't get to learn and, and, you know, you, you don't know if how, as a founder, if you can actually operate a business and mm. excite that same amount of excitement, the consumer that, you know, you you really aim to do. Um, and then there's the second where, you know, you get your MVP and you put it in the market as early as you can, you know, and and I firmly believe that if you're a founder and you believe in your product, that's what you should do. Because one, you know, you get you get it in front of consumers and you get to start making that impact, which mm. which I would think, you know, is the reason why most founders start companies, right? And and the consumer starts to to, to to be able to benefit from that too, you know, you get those data points that are so real. So you're not just guessing. And then you get to iterate really quickly, get it out and, and get that real-time feedback. And I think it's just a special experience for the consumer too, to see like, wait, yeah, like this is where you're at. And, you know, here was my feedback and now 2.0 is this. And, you know, and again, it's all about kind of that emotional connection um, that, that I think it's just, we get so much of and and it's it's really what about energizing. The shapes of the bagels. I noticed they were kind Ooh. of not perfectly shaped like a New York bagel. They were kind of twisted a little bit, a little hard for me to slice. Is there they're, something in the baking process with that that you're working on? They're round now. Oh, they're round now. Yes. Ah. Okay, so, <laughs> so I must have gotten the point one uh, version. So now got, they're round. Yeah. Got a, yeah, very early. I, I mean, I ordered version. it the first day I saw it tweeted about. It. I was like, I got to try this thing. Yeah, yeah, it's very and interesting. You know what made that possible is what? enzymes. Ah, yeah. Um, and and you know, and that kind of goes to show, like we were trying everything, like getting that shape. It, um, and even with all the knowledge we had on the ingredient profile, um, it was so difficult to get. And then mm. we were doing so much testing in the back end to try to get us there. And then the the day we kind of cracked it, it was um, it's like a very very joyous day. Let me Beyond Meat had like a really, I think it was Beyond Meat reported. They spent a lot of time on like the juices and the, the blood that would come out of a hamburger. Like when you squeeze it, yeah. the juices and that oiliness come out. And I think for a bagel, 
Yeah, that that chewiness mouth flavor and the shape that all is going to come in. Did you do flavors yet? Because I just ordered plain. I didn't see any other flavors. We're not, and that's intentional. Oh, um, explain. So, you know, we have the recipes ready. We we can start producing it. But what we really want to do is just highlight the, the innovation of the product in and of itself, mm. right? And and have people really taste it and, and really kind of appreciate the texture and how mm. different and differentiated it is from, from everything else in the market. Mm. Um, and rather than saying, you know, okay, well, here's X, you know, Y, Z, and here's everything, you know, and I think that the product right now even, well, one, that also allows us to get clearer feedback from the consumer and Sure. Can point exactly where we need to iterate, but it's you know it's it's such an innovative and novel product, um, and we I just we want it to speak for itself for a little while, and okay. you know we don't need to mask any kind of flavor, right? Like you can put. Mm, I don't know. I think if you had poppy seed and sesame seed, <laughs> if you had a garlic bagel, you know, like it is true that would mask it, so that would screw up the feedback. So I get that part. I agree on that, but I also think. Like part of the great feeling of a bagel is, you know, some people are just team sesame and some are, are team poppy. Me? Yeah. I, you know, I'm team uh, all bagels. I don't discriminate against any bagel. I like <laughs> all bagels. Uh, I'll even eat a cinnamon raisin, raisin. I'm not down with the blueberry. That's a little bit strange. But I'm team, give me the bag, the brown paper bag they all came in, and I will shake out every seed and pour it on top of my bagel. <laughs> with butter and cream cheese. So I'm I'm team everything. I love it all. Yeah. Uh, but I think those flavors are going to really knock it out of the park. I, and, you know, yeah. putting rye in there. And because some people are making rye bagels now. Uh, they're very nice. Pumpernickel. Like, like if you I can get some of those flavors going, like the really tangy <laughs> ones, pumpernickel, rye, uh, sourdough. I think that's actually going to help a lot because you're gonna it's just gonna help with the experience so as soon as you can get those out jalapeno cheddar is a good pull from producer nick i don't know if you've had the jalapeno <laughs> pino cheddar bagels uh but that's like a big thing in la which yeah. by the way the bagels in la are whack I, you know I, I dealt with them for many years they're like six and sevens out of ten <laughs> on their best day um it's just there's actually a really good one are you where are you based i'm are based you, in la you're based in la so you Ooh, understand so if do you think then if that bagel, an LA bagel, is like a six compared to a bagel. Then well, and a better New bagel, York bagel. 60, is sixty percent. Then you I would think, think. Well, that I was putting at fifty, so I think you're right behind of... an LA bagel. Yeah, and you, I think if you put the flavors in, people in LA would pick your bagel over the carb bagel because people in LA are like, you know, uh, anti-carb and they're just obsessed with their bodies and, and health and stuff like that. So I think LA is a smart yeah. place to launch this, and people will the uptick will be much stronger in LA where people are just absolutely reading labels well, you know, and care. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's true to, to a certain extent and, and how people, you know, definitely care and uh, about diet here a bit more, but, but I think, you know, the, it's not kind of prescribing to that certain way or a certain diet or kind of promoting that diet culture in any way. Right. It's more about saying like over, we're overhauling it in, in like in totality. So kind of saying that, like, you know, imagine a world where you don't have to count carbs and you don't have to count calories and just know that, you know, what you're consuming is is good for you and not have to extend any amazing. kind of mind space to that. Right. So I think that's kind of like exactly what we're, we're trying to do. And, and whether, you know, you're, you know, on the West Coast, East Coast, I think that's, you know, equally powerful of a mission and, and takes up, you know, the equal amounts of, of mind space and, um, and yeah, it's just 
you know, really exciting. I think the to LA, to having lived in New York for 30 years in LA for 10 and, and in, here in NorCal for a couple of years, I really think the LA consumer is absolutely the perfect consumer for you because when pressed juices came out, they were more than happy to pay eight to twelve dollars for juice. And that didn't fly in New York in the same way it would fly in LA. New York's got like a bagel culture. They're gonna be snobby about it. They're gonna be elitist about it. Whereas so, in LA, they're gonna be much more down with, you know, how low can I get the carbs, especially if you got four bucks, because people in middle America are gonna have a harder time with the price point, I think. I could well, be so wrong. You know what's interesting is our our, our largest consumer base is in New- mm. is from New York. Really? Yeah, That's we ship we ship more better bagels to New York than any other huh. state, and I think more than LA and our the third state, which is, um, I mean, I guess kind of a tie between Texas and and Florida, but mm. New York is like what's the go to market? Are you trying better. to get foodies? Are you trying to get diabetics? Uh, you know, when you do your marketing. What marketing are you doing and, and how are you trying to find your yeah. customer for a new product like this? You know, what's so interesting is we always get the question, like, what's your target demographic? And initial for us, demographic. Yeah. But I think for us, it was it's just it was so special, you know, off the bat because there were so many different groups of people um, that were gravitating towards the product. Right. So you certainly got, you know, people who, um, you know, were are diabetic, you know, the you know, people who are on yeah. on low carb diets. We had, you know, vegan. Um, uh, we had uh fitness in mm-hmm. and athletes, um, a lot of athletes because they love just the protein content that's in the bagel as well. Right. It hosts um twenty four grams of of protein in in a bagel. That's a big um, one. Yeah. That makes yeah, total sense. Yeah. yeah. And then and then you get people who, you know, are just health conscious but doesn't don't prescribe to a certain diet, um, you get, you know, it, it really is just, it was all over the spectrum and it was just so many diverse groups of people. Um, and which I, which I think, you know, that speaks to the fact that people are understanding our mission, right? Which is kind of, you know, using this platform um, and saying, you know, if we can, you know, turn the most carb heavy food, a bagel into the equivalent of two banana slices, then what can't we do? Right. It's kind yeah. of like pushing beyond these, you know, predisposed, you know, unnecessary limitations that we've, come to accept for for whatever reason are you going to be um, d to c or are you going to try to do retail we are d to c right now um right. we ha- we you know right now i think it's just so important for us to protect the brand and get that connection from the consumer and and make sure the brand experience is is really special um and great and you know i think with grocery we'll get there eventually but you have to make sure you can support merchandising, right? Because then there's, you know, a third party in between you and the consumer and you don't get that mm. real-time data as quickly. So so that's why we're focused on D2C. We have started expanding to a couple, with a couple partners that we think, you know, um, would still be protective of the brand and, you know, kind of aligns with with our vision and our mission. And one Earth of them- Cafe in LA? Um, that's, a, that's a good idea. But we're at um, Ojai Valley Inn. Oh, sure. That's yeah, perfect. which I was going to say, that's a great one. Yeah, perfect destination, and you know they Canyon care a Ranch, lot about, maybe next. Yeah, yeah. Well, they you know, and they care a lot about the quality of you know customer consumer experience there, right? So, yeah. what a better like. There's no better. Um, every time I say better, now I stop. Um, way to to make sure that our product is going to get taken care of really, mm-hmm. really well, right? Because that's you know such an important part of of their business. Yeah, it makes total sense to me. And then people are starting to look at their health and looking at, I mean, started with Whole Foods, I guess, Whole Paycheck, 
um, was, you know, like basically people saying, I'm going to invest in my life through the food I eat. And so that's why I think the tip of the spear people are great. Are you doing subscription stuff yet? And then what's the, what's the shelf stability? Cause I just ordered it and I didn't actually unpack it when it got to the house. So I don't know if it came, it packed in ice or something, but maybe you could talk a little bit about um the, how shelf stable they are i gotta keep them refrigerated or not how long do frozen. they last so they're frozen, we're very very clean label um you know no preservatives so they should be frozen we ship them ambient um you know they'll last four to five days ambient without issue um so you know they're, so you, they're frozen you put them into the box mm-hmm. or and then they made um over a couple of days in transit two or three days. Yep. Uh, and then thawing and, yeah. yep, and thawing and freezing d- doesn't affect the texture. So, you know, ah. as when the consumer gets it, um, you know, sh- should either consume it or freeze it. Right. And then if you're going to eat it, you could either, can you microwave it to defrost it or you just should probably you should, defrost I mean, it I'm on sure the table? You, I'm sure you can, but you just leave it out for 10 minutes and it, you know, pop it right. in the toaster and it's yeah, I, I was uh, really uh, impressed. And so next up is what? Are you thinking more breads? Are you thinking pizza? Where where are you headed next? Or do you think you just got to do another year and, and get that bagel experience perfected? So we're using the bagel as kind of our hero product to really establish the brand, sure. you know, get out there, um, widen our distribution. And I mean, we already have a number of other products kind of in the pipeline in terms of, of R&D. Um, buns are ready which Ooh. is just great. And that's, you know, another reason why we started with bagels because, you know, it, it's the most difficult finicky product to get right, even a lot from- of, A lot of bagel snobs. Yep. Ex- exactly. From the consumer expectation standpoint, and also just from, you know, if you're, it's the most carby, carby product, right? The equivalent of multiple slices of bread. And I think consumers know that. So being able to take that and then reduce it to the carb equivalent to bananas, I say that it's, it's an undertaking. And once we were able to, to crack that, then and other, um, you know, hamburger buns, are, are hot easy. dog buns would be great Cake. because you get the burger, yeah. you get the burger juices flowing into you, you got the cheese, you know, you got condiments. Um, if there were things that weren't exactly like, you know, the potato bun or whatever people's preferences are, you know, bleached white hot dog bun, you know, you're, you're going to get the benefit of what's in between it, which I think when I made yours, I, I, I don't know how you feel about this. But when I was growing up, my grandmother would toast the bagel, put some butter on it, and then put cream cheese on it. And everybody says, you're crazy putting mm. both on. I'm telling you, you put both <laughs> on. Do, do not knock butter and cream cheese until your grandmother makes it for you. It is incredible. Have you ever done it? I have never done it, but I will I'm giving you tonight. the green light. I'm giving you the green light, Amy. <laughs> Tomorrow. Maybe tonight, actually. I'm telling you that you, you just make it nice and toasted, like golden brown or a little bit better. A nice layer of butter. You don't have to go too crazy. And then okay. a nice thin layer of cream cheese. Man, when you get both, because you get the butter absorbed into the um you get the butter absorbed into the bagel and then you get the cream cheese, which is just a great mouthfeel and everything. And that's yeah, where I well, think that's great. I actually made an egg sandwich with yours too. Uh, I forgot to tell you that, but you know, I'm I'm big on the bagel egg sandwiches. So then you're getting, I mean, how many grams of protein did you say you have? In a twenty four. Yeah, so now you put you... two eggs on or a scrambled egg or two, and oh my lord. So, so yeah, so 24 grams of protein is the equivalent of four eggs in terms of protein. So if you're adding another two, then, you know. Yeah, now you're you just go. done. You're going to skip lunch. You're, you just had half a dozen eggs and you're not going to be hungry the, the rest <laughs> of the day. You're never going to eat again. Uh, listen, continued success with it. I think you're off to a tremendous start. I highly recommend everybody try it. 
the easiest thing you can do is just go to the website right now, eatbetter.com, and just order a couple dozen, give it away as a gift. Uh, I'm telling you, you're going to love it. it they're, it's a really solid bagel. Like I said, 50, 60%. For a bagel snob, I think LA people, you're going to be at 70, 80% easily. And then I'll give you the extra 10%, 20%, depending on if you're diabetic. Yeah, so sure. I think you're closing in on the red zone. I think you're going to have an incredibly successful company. Thank and just you. stay in the bread zone. Man, you can really help the world if you just nail bread. Everybody loves bread. Bread. Can you imagine like a sourdough loaf that oh, you're slicing through and just eating as much mm. of it as you want and there's no guilt? Keep talking. I just, <laughs> you're talking my language now. <laughs> what else <have> you got? <laughs> well, I mean, it really Amazing. is like bread is like what, I mean, if you can get a baguette going, oh, a nice oh. chewy baguette. Mm. Jesus. Oh. Croissants. Oh. <laughs> Lord, now you got me. Pan au chocolat croissant. I mean, that's going to be hard because those are, you're talking about layer after layer of very fine dough. I don't know. That seems to me to be super challenging, a croissant. You know what's interesting is we're testing it with a sheeter in the, in the mix. Yeah, we'll see. Wow. I, I, I wish you great <laughs> luck with that. I mean, there are French people right now who are turning over mon dieu. They're, they're absolutely <laughs> appalled. That you would ever even consider doing this to a croissant, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm with no. you. It's a lot of butter. It's a lot of butter, and you seem to be vegan. Your team vegan, so there'll be no butter in your croissant, I assume. There will be no butter in, uh. in the croissant, but mm. that could be there a, are a lot of equivalents out there. Are there, there? Yeah, a lot of a lot of great vegan alternatives. Yeah, mm. I haven't had them. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that's the thing. My wife's got like five different vegan spreads at all times. And, you know, just none of them stand up. To me. What's the best vegan spread? Is there a good butter one you like? Or? I think Mykonos is, is pretty uh, we great. We got the Mykonos, yeah. Yeah. Mm. No? No, not for me. I mean, oh, after, oh I'm my done, gosh. Listen, Kite I can, Kite if, I'm, if I'm out of, you know, my Irish butter, I'll do the Mykonos. Uh, but only under pressure and earth balance. Producer Rachel says she likes earth balance. Yeah, no. Kite Hill. Kite has anyone tried Kite Hill? It's also great. Kite Hill, I feel I bad for leaving that yeah, out. See, I, Nick and I are team Kerry Gold. Yeah, Kerry Gold. Just got to go Irish. <laughs> but, you know, listen, I, the more options that are out there, the more I'm going to eat healthier. And I really yeah. thank you for taking this on. And I knew some entrepreneur would do it. And uh, I'm really thrilled. Congratulations on raising money from my friend Alexis Ohanian uh, from. Uh, What's his new thing? 776? 776. What is 776? Does it stand for like an area code or something? Does anybody know what 776 stands for? I never asked him. He's been on the pod so many times. I think it it kind of dates back to to the Olympics. um, And Uh, and it's about kind of, you know, new and and breaking barriers. And, you uh, know, they're just such a special, amazing group. Um, And, you know, I feel like every founder there so happy it's mm. crazy um and Alexis is a special investor yeah. i ag- i agree i agree um and you know i think and now i'm just making a plug for for 776 because i love them so much they're great yeah. but you know i think some a really special thing that they did that i don't know if any other fund does um, oh is they that have, that two percent yes, match thing explain yeah. what that is this is really innovative how yeah. special is that so mm-hmm. you know they're the whole mentality of, of the fund is you know as a founder you are you know making personal sacrifices across the board right and and you're um sometimes negating you know care for yourself and you know it's it's their job and, and this is how they see it to take care of, of you as a founder 
Mm. And the way that they do that is they set aside 2% and that's on top of their investment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's allocated to the founder for for personal growth. And I think it's 1% directly to the founder and another percent that's, you know, doing things for people who you care about. So, you know, whether that's childcare, if you have a child or, you know, friends or, you know, um, and it's just, it's so thoughtful and it's so special. And I think that's just kind of indicative of the environment and, Mm. and the fund. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, on a, you guys raised two and a half million dollars. So it's 50 grand, 25 for you to go to, you know, yoga or a (laughs) retreat or mental health or whatever you need. It's pretty dope. And, you know, they get 10 when you have a fund. Your management fees would add up to about 10%. So what he's basically saying is, hey, of the 10% on our $300 million fund, we would have 30 million in fees. We'll take 2% of that, you know, whatever that would wind up being, 30 million, uh, which is 20% of 30 million. So you probably just earmark 6 million to give to the founders. Isn't that to so just special? be healthy? It's really a neat idea. I mean, other people do interesting things. They send swag or they have retreats. You know, like I, people do take a portion of their uh, management fees and they'll host a retreat, let's say, and take everybody to Hawaii or something, their founders. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I, I, Alexis, the, the more I've watched his career, the more I've appreciated, like he's a special individual. 766, 776 BCE, the first year of the Olympics, the Olympics were held. And I think his daughter is named Olympia, Olympian. Is that right? Uh, yes. And she mis- loves better bagels. Ah, very cool. Very <laughs> cool. That's all co- Olympia is the name of his daughter. Yeah, because she she was actually on this pod. She jumped in in the middle of a bug. So it was yeah. super cute. All right, listen, I got to let you go. Get back to the laboratory. Get to okay. work on the sourdough. Get to work on the croissant. Like we're, we're all really excited you're doing this, Amy. And everybody go to eatbetter.com right now and try it out. Thanks, it's Jason. Great. Okay, we're doing this week in startups meetups and producer Rachel is running them. If you want to see all the information on our meetups, go to thisweekinstartups.com slash meetups. And with me again today, Rachel reporting. How are you, Rachel? Hi, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. Uh, Every Monday, we try to talk about our meetups. The meetups are uh, by founders for founders. We're going to let some angel investors in as well. But we've had some great success. We started this program, I think, in September. It's now October or maybe it's November. It just uh, passed. Yeah, it's November 1st. Yeah. So I think we've been doing this for under two months. Which cities have completed Mission One and explain what Mission One was for meetups? So the first meetup, there were five to 10 founders. And basically, the whole thing about that was get comfortable. So five or 10 startups, excuse me, five or 10 founders meet up. Everyone pays their own way. You have a meal, grab a drink, grab a coffee, um, really casual, no reservation needed. And the cities that have completed that are LA, New York City, London, Tokyo, Austin, Boston, and Chicago. And LA, New Wait, York City, and oh, you going? That's seven cities have already done their first mission. Yes, yeah, seven cities, wow. and three are on. Um, three are on meetup two: London, New York City, and LA. Great. So, do we have any photos of those meetups? I asked everybody to take pictures yes, so we, we can do. put them on their we- on the website. And they uh, are so, on the website. They look great. So here we go. Uh, this is beautiful. Here's the website, everybody. So meetup one was complete by Los Angeles, New York, London, and you have the photos up there. Fantastic. And uh, so we tried to make it like uh, we gamified this. And we said, you're going to do three missions. The first one is to just have a breakfast or a lunch with just a handful of founders. Can't buy a ticket to it. Everybody pays their own way. Because one of the things we're trying to do is make this for founders, by founders, and keep it from becoming 
a sales event. Do you ever go to those events? They're like, oh, there's a startup event going and like every four to five people you meet are trying to sell you something. And then one person's an actual founder. We wanted to do the opposite. 100% founders, at least for these first couple. Uh, so that's amazing. Great job, Rachel. And we're getting to know all these people and they're on the Slack coordinating yes. and they get to know each other. So that's a lot of fun. And are, are friendships being made and, and people <laughs> are starting to get to know each other? I think so. And I think if even if you're just attending the meetup, I would recommend joining the Slack, not just organizers, because I've noticed that sometimes people show up to the events and they can't find the founders oh. that they're supposed to be meeting with. So yeah. I'd recommend everybody sign up for the Slack. Sure. Um, it says that on our website, but I've noticed that that is a step that some people have been skipping and I'd hate for yeah. people to go all the way out there. I've had two people now reach out to me that have driven quite a ways to meet up oh, and they, missed they didn't know. So we got to be more specific were. about where and when. So when mm -hmm. they say they're doing it at a bar, everybody should wear like an orange shirt uh, or do name tags and okay. just put twist. So they can make their own name tags and just put twist and the first name on it and that'd be fine. Um, so now, if you complete mission one, we give you your own URL as well. So if I go to thisweekinstartups.com slash... London uh, is a good one to look at right now. Uh, you have a London page up. And then yeah. the people who are actual founders who are the founder coordinators, the founder organizers, I think we're calling them. Mm -hmm. They get to be on that page and, and link to their company and link to their social media. Is that what we're doing for them? Yes. So I'm going to give them a little bit more range. I can show you as an example of what London looks like right now. This one has not, none of them have been given yet to the founders, but once they okay. get access to these, I'm going to let them do what they Edit want their with pages. them. Yeah. Right. And then I just added this little infographic that explains one of the tweets ah, and great. this is information on their next meetup. But what is I that infographic? Like you made an infographic? It's just a little one that in case they want to send it, um, that was actually recommended from a founder in London. So John, cool. shout out to you for having this idea that he said it would be nice to have something just as an attachment to send to people. Great. And I included that in everybody's page. Um, so if they complete mission one, they get their own notion page at this week in startup slash their city, and they get to mm -hmm. edit it, put their own information on. So we'll trust them to edit their own page and be stewards of the brand. And so that's mm -hmm. really the issue here. We're trying to mitigate in real time, Rachel is they're representing us to a certain extent. I mean, they obviously represent themselves. But as we've seen already, we've had a lot of people want to do this who have an ulterior motive, which is marketing, which is to get free advertising on This Week in Startups. That, this is not an end run to get advertising <laughs> to reach the audience. This is for founders, by founders. If you're a lawyer, accountant, SaaS developer, salesperson, selling insurance, you know, human resources, headhunter, all that great stuff, we appreciate you in the industry but you don't get to organize the this week in startups event you can buy ads on this week in startup and maybe we'll have a sponsorship on mission four mission two is 25 to 50 person event um and uh, rsvp but all founders still mm -hmm. so we're checking that you're a founder how do we know if somebody's a founder or not when they rsvp for an event i will ask you for your linkedin and i will ask you for your startups website and if you don't have either one of those and you still tell, are saying that you're a founder I'll have to follow up via email to see if you have anything you can show me. And right now, we are kind of focusing, if you're becoming an organizer, on people that are post-launch for their startup. So I'm sorry if your startup isn't launched yet. Um, this mm -hmm. would be most beneficial for founders meeting if you guys have already, already yeah. launched your startup. Now, when we get to mission three, we're going to open it up a little wider. Founders will come free. We're going to also let uh, angel investors go, and we're going to give bracelets. Mm -hmm. green bracelet if you're an investor confirmed investor from our network and then uh the orange bracelet if you're a founder 
and we're going to get those rubber bracelets made and send them like the Livestrong bracelets for people, right? Yes. Perfect. Exactly. Uh, any drama or issues at the events yet? No, Anybody not at all. Um, okay, so for Chicago's though, I felt bad. I saw somebody, some people from Chicago, uh, Maria was on the live. So hi, Maria. But I saw that they had to actually leave their intended meetup place because only two people could sit at a table. They made an update to the location. So ah. that's another reason to join the Slack. Because if an update like that happens, you know, and right. they leave, you guys better find them. They relocated though to a Starbucks close by and it looked like it went well. Perfect. Yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously COVID, depending on the city you're in, we'll have different things. So go to this week in startup slash Slack. If we can get, I mean, my goal is I want to have 10 of these up and running this year. Mm -hmm. You've already done that and it's only November 1st. So you, you're way ahead of schedule. Congratulations on that. And by next year, so September of next year, we'd like to have a hundred chapters of this week in startups meetups. So we're at 10. We just need to 10 exit. Actually, we have more than 10, right? We have like maybe another 10 that we're trying to collect founders for. So what are the cities that need founder organizers? Um, the cities that need founder organizers, Berlin needs is so close. Let me bring up a list because there's actually quite a few that only have three founders. And something that I would like to know for those is if you guys give me a company that isn't your own company, I still look you up on LinkedIn. So I saw a lot of people from St. Louis were giving me companies that weren't that they weren't founders of. So uh, that's a little drama, I guess, happening on the RSVP uh, side for the organizers. Yeah, so sometimes you'll get the salespeople know this, like the people who are trying to sell into founders, they know how to play this game. So they say they're a founder, or they'll put their founder's mm -hmm. name in, they show up and da da da, you know, so people will try to mm -hmm. do this. And, you know, for the people who are the founder organizers, you can just tell people like, hey, listen, it's just four founders by founders. Eventually, like by mission three, what we're going to do is we're going to let Founders come for free, investors come for free, anybody else can buy a ticket is my plan. Okay. And we're running the sign up form. So we'll have a ticket price, people will buy a ticket, and we'll give that money to the local organizers to spend on the space or food or whatever they want. And so I could see this, I don't want it to be a business uh, for people, I want them to do it as a labor of love, because they want to meet other founders and support other founders. But if it did generate a little bit of income, uh, or revenue to underwrite it. That's not the end of the world. So we have a sales team here. If we do get to 100 cities, what we'll probably do is we'll ask Twilio or, you know, Amazon Web Services or whoever's got a, you know, international footprint, you know, LinkedIn or whatever, if they want to sponsor the 100 cities. And if they do, maybe they we can send a little bit of money for food to each one or something. I don't know. I, I, I really don't care about the sponsorship stuff. Awesome. I, but I'm, I'm just putting it out there for down the road that Sure, you know, if a sponsor did show up and they wanted to buy everybody donuts or hamburgers or pizza, I don't mind that, but I just want to keep it from getting mm -hmm. overtly commercial. So like TEDx seems to have done a good job with this by the organizers are the key, Rachel. So if we have the right organizers in it for the right reason, then everything should flow perfectly. And then we're collecting all the emails. So we're not having people spam because that's the other thing that happens at these events, you know, you have a bunch of founder organizers, and then some salesperson gets the list and they start sharing with all their friends and everybody <laughs> starts getting spammed. And then people who are founders put Jason plus twist at calacanis.com. And they have that little thing where you put the plus in your Gmail account. So you know, you signed up for each service specifically. And they're like, Look, I caught this person spamming, you're selling the list, you're breaking can spam. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> that's the shit I want to avoid. <laughs> yeah, whenever possible. Uh, but really excited. Yeah. Yeah, with the amount of, of uh, people that are signing up that are actually founders and not salespeople, I think that'll be hopefully 
hopefully we'll be able to keep that under wraps. Um, we haven't gotten that many salespeople coming in. We have gotten though. You mentioned lawyers. We've gotten a lot of lawyers. Um, but Berlin, Portland, and Seattle are the next three, along with St. Louis. So those four places, if there's just one more person that signs up for those cities, they Perfect. can start planning. So we should put up the sign up form. This event is only for founders. Mm-hmm. If you are a service provider, then put in parentheses, lawyer, accountant, headhunter. Uh, we will be having a larger event that you uh, can be invited to sign up here for our uh, in for our announcement list. So every city should have an announcement list. And then also a uh, sign up form for specific events. So I know there's a lot of work. So we have to figure out how to just build these lists and manage them. So start thinking about if we had 100 lists, what service would we use to manage it? Do we have a group sign up list or where people pick what cities they're interested in? on type form or something? Yes, it is there. It's an interest form. um, And so far, there are quite a few cities down. But most of the people that wrote in the interest form, there are actually there are no cities in the interest form that don't have also have organizers, if that makes sense. So there's not any stray stray cities yet. I would actually put the stray cities in. So I'd put all cities like if there's going to be 100 cities, I would put which cities and you know, which regions are you interested in Asia, North America? South America, Europe, and then put the cities under them. This way people can start, you know, uh, signing up for the cities we don't have. Um, And then we'll email them. Great job, Rachel. This is really exciting. I think it's, uh, you know, I want to do it for the fans of the show and for founders. So it's great. Um, And then who's going to have the first mission to? Who's going to have the first mission to? That is a great question. Let me go back to the website. If you guys want, by the way, thisweekinstartups.com slash meetups if everybody is looking along. Um, I believe the next website is going to be London, um, but I'm going to have right. to check over. Yeah, Meetup 2, November 11th. Yeah. New York City, Meetup 2, November 9th. LA, Meetup 2, November 4th. So, okay. And those are occurring at restaurants, bars, cafes, or like co-working spaces. Do you know? Some of them have, some of the founders have offices. So, for example, ah, London, cool. that startup has its own office. New York City has been doing a great job on finding reservations for places. So, it really cool. depends on the city and the availability. Um, right. Most places, I think, doing restaurants do have to make reservations beforehand. So, that's something to yep. note to some people. For example, like San Francisco, that sign-up sheet is limited. So, if you don't sign up within the first 15 people, they're not going to, you can't go because it's a reservation. Yeah. They won't have a seat for you. So these are, these yeah. are a little time sensitive for people wondering. Yeah. Uh, well, and then eventually, you know, just as a general rule of thumb, pick a dive bar or, a, you know, a pizza joint, someplace that's large, uh, you know, a beer hall comes to mind, a barbecue joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't got to go fancy here. No private rooms. Let's keep this real. Keep it affordable. You know, a place that's got, you know, pictures or you can, you know, I always did Mexican pizza, burger joints, those places, you could have a large group of people, you could order three pies for 20 bucks each, you could order a couple of pitchers of beer or, you know, sangria, that's the vibe we're going for. We're not trying to be yeah. fancy here. This isn't like Chamath and Saks ordering, <laughs> you know, $5,000 bottles of wine, like I want a $500 bill split between 20 people, everybody puts in 25 bucks, you're good. Yeah, you know, that's, that's good kind thing of you said that. London's at beer. I mean, uh, no, New York City is at Beer Authority, which is kind of cool. And I know ah. Austin actually did theirs also at like a beer. Wait, did hall uh, kind did of Nick and I don't Justin think Justin go to and the Nick. New York one? I don't. Oh, I don't think so. No, that's not cool. Well, you got to go to meet up too, boys. <laughs> the first one there isn't there only supposed to be like eight people. 
All right, listen, I don't want to hear any excuses. You got also, I'm not a founder. I'm not a founder. So. I know you're a producer of the show. Go and take some pictures and, and meet the audience. It's a great idea. You guys got to go to the next one for sure. And then I am going to uh, zoom in to um, some meetups. So what you should do is give me the founder's phone number, Rachel, when it's occurring and SMS me and I will maybe FaceTime with them uh, just randomly. We don't have to record or anything. And then for mission three, we will have an AV set up. Uh, and do it officially but I, I could just you know FaceTime in and just say hi to everybody but I'm really excited about this awesome I right. love that great job